Well, good morning. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. Looking forward to this new series. I'm not sure why, why you're laughing. I'm not really sure why that's the case. Um, we're really talking the next few weeks about getting real um, and getting real with God. And, and when you really start to get real with God, then you're able to be real with yourself. You're able to be real with others. And um, the the author of the, of the book that we call 1 John really wrote the book of 1 John to help us to be authentic in our faith. You see, when we talk about the phrase, lose your mask or lose the mask, the reality is we all wear masks. Now, some of them are a little more obvious than others, and some of them you saw in, in the filing cabinet that he went through in the video. He's looking for a different emotion, and then when he got to the folder that said authentic, it was actually empty. But we all wear masks at different times. Some of you are wearing masks this morning. Some of you probably um, don't want anybody to know what's really going on. So what mask did you wear today? The happy mask. You put it on. You really didn't want to, but you felt like it sure is better than putting on the angry mask and everybody wanting to know what's going on. And some of you probably are sitting there today thinking, I have a whole different assortment of masks. I think we have some up there. There you go. Now, we could put a label on each of those. We could put sad, we could put happy, we could put worried, we could put sincere. We could put a different label for each of the masks that we wear. Doesn't that bother you about some people that they're always fake? They're always fake. Now, I'm wearing this today as an, as an example for exaggeration, a little bit of um, visual hyperbole. The reality is none of us, well, unless you're a professional lucha libre, none of us really get up in the morning and put this mask on. But we all wear masks. And what's so hard about that is, is that so many of us just long for authenticity. We want authenticity in the lives of those that we're around. We just want them to be real. We want them to take the mask off and just be who they are. What's interesting about that is this, is that God desires the same for each and every one of us. He wants us to just be real with him, to take the mask that we're wearing and to put it off to the side and just be honest and forthright with who we are, who he created us to be and the life that we're going through. Whatever the reason is for the mask that you're wearing today, hopefully at the end of our time, you'll understand the importance of not wearing masks anymore. We're getting ready to start a series, and I don't know if we have it up there, about the masks that we wear, and a study in 1 John, lose the mask. And if you see in the mask there, there are some different words and some different ways to describe some emotions that you might be going through. And oftentimes, we put a mask over to hide those things and to shield those things. But we're going to be looking at the book of 1 John. Now, if you have a, a Bible or last week, as Dr. Ray said, an electronic device, I want to encourage you to turn to the New Testament and the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel according to John, but the book of 1 John. And, and just for whatever it's worth, I'm a lot younger than Dr. Ray, so I can still read the words in my Bible. So. But as you're turning there, let's talk about who this John is. John is, was one of the disciples of Jesus. Jesus kind of had an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. John was known as the disciple that Jesus loved. In, in the gospel according to John, that's what he refers to himself as. John lived the oldest and the longest of all the disciples. In fact, many believe that John was the only disciple, the only apostle that wasn't martyred for his faith. 
He lived to be a ripe old age. Many people live, think that he lived even into the first century or into the second century after the year 100. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel according to John. He gave us the book of Revelation, the, the three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He's a prolific writer and gave us a lot for us to understand as it relates to our faith, our walk, and our journey with Jesus. The spiritual journey that we're on, John helped us look at this. And as we look at 1st John, which is, well, there's a lot of connections between 1st John and the Gospel according to John. And 1 John, some people believe, is to be the, the most recent book of the New Testament. He gives us an idea and a summary of what his purpose in writing is. In 1 John chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first four verses here. You can follow along. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. In verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. The first thing I want you to observe here, and it's not necessarily on your notes, but it helps us understand what we're talking about. John knew God. John experienced God. Look at what he says. How many times does he say the things that we saw, the things that we heard, the things that we touched, the things that we felt, the experiences that John went through? He knew God personally. He experienced God. And what's interesting as we begin to unpack this and look in the weeks ahead, the, one of the ways we experience God is just to start by getting real with him, just like John was. Because when you go back and you look at his life and see where he was, and where he ended up at the end, you see a huge transformation from what he started at and where he ended up. And the purpose of John writing is right there in verse 4, that our joy would be complete. John wants us to experience God and to know the joy that life provides. You see, Jesus was real with John. There wasn't anything fake about him. There wasn't anything plastic. There wasn't anything unreal. He was honest. And as we get to know God and understand that he's real and that who he is and who he says he is is really who he is and what he does, he's just straightforward with us. We should be the same with him. How do we do that? John opens up, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and following. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. John presents some problems and some solutions as we look at how to be real with God. The first problem that John presents is this. We wear the mask of hypocrisy. We wear the mask of hypocrisy. 
John goes through and gives us a series of if-then statements. If this, then this. And nobody, notice what he says in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship, but at the same time we walk in darkness, what is that? That's hypocrisy. That's putting up a good front. That's saying you believe one thing and then living out another thing. Some of us, there's an obstacle that creates that. And the reality is that obstacle is denial. We deny that we ever even really believe what we say we believe. We don't live it out. And we act like, no, nah, that's not really who I am. Or on the opposite side, we, we, we deny that we've done anything wrong. We say, well, I'm not a hypocrite. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not me. How many of you have ever heard anybody say that the church is full of hypocrites? Has anybody ever said that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Some of you may be here today, and this is your first time in church, and, and you're thinking, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, let me just tell you something. You're right. At least I'm a hypocrite. And I know there are times in all of our lives when we're hypocritical. You may think, not me. Case in point right there. Okay? It happens. It's a reality. And John says, here's the deal. If we say we're in the light, but we walk in the darkness, then that's not honest. We're being hypocritical. But he goes on to offer a remedy. He goes on to offer a remedy. And the remedy for the first problem is this. We need to walk in the light. In verse 7, but if we walk in the light, and I'll just throw this out there. I didn't have this in my notes, but I'll throw this out there. Anytime you see the word but in Scripture, understand it's a key transitional word. Whatever was said immediately before it, there's about to be a contrast right after it. You know those people. You're a really nice person, but, uh-huh. Or maybe you've done this. You know, you, 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 your spouse will say, how was, the, how was dinner tonight? Oh, it was really good. But, let me just say, nothing good can come after whatever's about to be said. All right? Nothing positive can happen. So anytime you see the word but, know that there's a transition. So he's gone through and he's talked about this life of hypocrisy. But then when he gets to verse 7, he says, but. So he provides us a solution and a remedy. He says, if we walk in the light. That's the if statement. If we walk in the light, then what happens? We can have fellowship with one another and we're cleansed from our sin. The outcome of this remedy is relationship. The outcome of this remedy is relationships. Relationships not only with one another, but relationship with God. If we walk in the light. How many of you this morning looked at a mirror before you came in? Anybody? Some of you should have. Okay, anybody else? How many of you looked at a mirror with all the lights off? Some of you do. Some of you, I style my hair every morning in a dark room, okay? It doesn't do you any good to look in the mirror when all the lights are off. Why? You're not going to see anything. It doesn't help you. That's why you look in the mirror when the lights are on. You see, the light exposes things that the darkness covers up. And so if we walk in the light, if we have a relationship with Christ... Because John has just told us that Jesus is the light. So if we walk with him, then we can understand what it means to have relationship with others and a relationship with God. So the remedy for overcoming hypocrisy is spending time in the light, to walk in the light. 
But John goes on and points out a second mask, a second problem that we have. The second problem that we have is we wear the mask of lying. It's the close, co close cousin of hypocrisy, but it's a little bit different. The if-then statement that John presents here in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. He goes down to verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him, talking about Jesus, a liar, and his word is not in us. In both verses 8 and 10, John says, if we say we're not a sinner, then guess what? You're a big, fat liar. Okay? How many people here have never sinned? That was a trick question. I was just curious to know. Because then we were going to call you out and bring you down here and anything. And then we were going to list up on the screens all the sins that we knew about. But anyway, there are a lot of people that say, no, I'm not a sinner. I, look, I'm a good person. I really haven't done anything wrong. I haven't robbed. I haven't stolen. I haven't done and, and when I do something wrong, it really doesn't hurt anybody else. You know, it's, it's, not, like I'm, it's not like I've done anything bad. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really okay. The obstacle to get us to overcome sin in our lives is pride. When we're unwilling to admit that we have sinned, we can never get to the place where we realize we need resolution. We can never get to the place where we understand that we can't do it on our own. Maybe you've heard of a little white lie. You know, it's really not that big of a deal or a half-truth, right? What's the difference between a white lie and a full-on, I don't know what the opposite color of white is, but you know, between a full-on lie versus a white lie? Anybody know the difference? Perspective. Perspective. Are you the person who's saying the white lie, or are you the person being hurt by the white lie? See, if we do it, then we minimize it because it's really not that big of a deal. It's really, you know, everybody does it. It's okay. Nobody got hurt. You see, when we're not willing to admit that we have missed the standard, then it only goes on to show that we're wearing a mask in which we lie to one another and we lie to God. But John doesn't just leave us hanging out there and call us a bunch of liars and then say, you're a bunch of liars. See you later. I'm out of here. He says, you're a bunch of liars, but guess what? There's good news. There's good news. And he gives us in verse 9 the remedy. And the remedy for overcoming this is to confess. In verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he, talking about God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, this is where it all comes down. The outcome of the remedy of confession is forgiveness. How many people do you know just long for, I don't want to say guilt-free living, but long for the feeling of being forgiven? How many of us just cannot let go of something we did six months ago, six years ago, 16 years ago? We just can't let it go. God says we can have forgiveness of who he is, because of what he's done. But it starts with confession. It starts with us getting to a place, you know, where we, we don't tell God what we've done because you just need to know this, he already knows. I don't know if you understood that or not, but he already knows what we've done. Confession is me saying, God, I know you've already know, I, I know you know this already, but in case you missed it, this is what I did. And I agree with you that what I've done is wrong. 
Have you ever heard the phrase, confession is good for the soul? The reason you've heard that phrase is because it's true. It's good for the soul because not only when you confess, you may confess in the moment and feel bad about what you've done, but there's a burden that's lifted, that you've now taken that guilt and that shame and taken it off of yourself and put it onto God and said, God, you've already taken care of this. We talked about the wondrous cross and, and what God did on that cross. When Jesus laid down his life, all of our sins have been forgiven. He says, confess it. Because here's the thing, if you don't and you say you haven't sinned, you're a big, fat liar. Confession is good for the soul. Look, there's one main thing. There's one main thing I want you to walk away with today. As we look at this and as we open up, there's one main thing I really want you to be able to, to, to walk away with. The one main thing that I want you to walk away with today is this, is that God desires for us to be real. God desires for us to be real. When you take off the mask, when you remove it and say, God, I'm going to be honest with you. God, I'm going to take off my mask and just kind of lay it down before you. I know that sometimes I can be a hypocrite. I know that sometimes I can be a liar. But God, I'm just going to be real before you. God is not sitting somewhere and, and thinking to himself, oh my word, I didn't know that about them. Are you kidding me? He's not calling Gabriel and saying, hey, how come you couldn't give me a heads up on this, right? Nothing catches him by surprise. God desires for us to be real. He wants us to take off the mask. He wants us to not, to not put up a front with him, but to, just to be real and honest and straightforward with who we are. He is on our side. You see, you see up there on the screen where it says, He is with us. Based on John's experience, he knew all the tough spots and all the rough edges that John had, and yet he still walked step by step with John. He still spoke into John's life and through John's life to us. He is with us, and he still chooses to use us. And the second thing you see, I've already touched on up there, he knows better. He knows better. The fake front that we put on, he knows it's just an act. I would imagine that some of us have already pulled it off this morning. Some of us walking through the lobby when somebody greeted you and said, hey, how are you doing this morning? You're like, doing fine. The person you just shared that to doesn't know any different, doesn't know any better. But God does. He wants us to get real with him. Just like John was real with Jesus, then he says that he was able to hear him, to see him, to touch him. He was able to experience God because he was real with God. Today, as we walk away from here, you can see up there the, 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 what we can do to experience God. We can experience God when we get real with God. So many people are going through life saying, man, if I could just... I don't know that God exists. I wish I could just experience him. It starts by getting real with him. A lot of people want to have a deep spiritual experience and say, man, if I could just experience God, if I could just know that he's real, if I could know that he's going through this with me. It starts by getting real with God. And when we're able to take off the masks and get real with him, we can experience him. Does that make sense this morning? 
How many of you are wearing a mask? Don't, don't answer, don't answer that. Don't answer that. This morning, I just want you to know this, that God loves you very, very much. I heard this phrase, and, and it, it's, it has always stuck with me. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. He loves you just right where you are, but he desires for you to become all that he has for you. That starts by taking our mask off. Would you join with me as I ask God to help us? With heads bowed, I just want to close our time with prayer this morning. I just want to ask God to help us. I want to ask God to help us understand that sin has separated from him and that through confession, and through turning away from all that and turning to God, that we can know him personally. I want us to ask God to help us that no matter how far and how fast and how hard we've run away from God, we're just one step from turning back to Him. Finally, I want to just remind us all as we pray that we all need God, that none of us have it all figured out, that He desires for us to have relationship with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, Lord, thank You. Thank You for the truth of Your Word and thank You for the personal experience of John as he knew you, God, that we can now know you in turn. God, I pray that, that if there's anybody here today that needs to know you in a personal way, in a new way, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart. God, that you would speak to their mind. God, that you would help them understand that sin has separated them from you. But God, all we have to do is acknowledge and confess that we're sinners. God, that all we have to do is believe in who you are. The fact that you sent your son, Jesus, to take away that sin, to believe that he died and was buried and rose again on the third day. And God, as we believe that, we now proclaim that. God, I pray that you would draw those close to you. Lord, for those who are here today that have stepped away from you and have run away from you, God, remind us that you're always just one step away. All we have to do is to turn back to you, that you will pick us up in your loving arms. You will forgive us as we confess to you. And Lord, finally, I pray that you would remind us all that no matter how good things may be, we still need you. God, I pray that you would just continually remind us of our dependency upon you. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would, just as we talk about some next steps, what do we do from here and where do we go from here? On your comment card that you received in your program this morning, there are, there are three things that we want to point to as spiritual steps that you might be able to take next. The first one is, is, is if you would mark on that card, if you, today you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you placed your faith in Him and crossed the, that line and, and got to a place where you received Jesus and the salvation that He offers, if you would just let us know that. We have some tools we want to put in your hands and be able to encourage you and pray for you. And there's a bag at the information kiosk at the end of um, the service if you would go through and pick up that gift bag. The second thing there is just a walk away from today. A walk away from today's service, and it says, I will work to end my denial and lay down my pride and get real with God. If God spoke to your heart this morning, and you see that's something that, that you can do and you want to do in order to get real with him, then check that one. The third one is, is the next spiritual step. If you're interested in being baptized, um, we've used this illustration before um, as it relates to a wedding ring. You see, a wedding ring, me, this doesn't make me married just like this doesn't make me unmarried. The ring is an outward expression of a commitment that I made to my wife. 
Just like salvation and making a commitment to follow Jesus, baptism is like a ring. It goes on the salvation to let people know that this is a choice that I have made to follow Jesus. And so if you're interested in being baptized, I'm going to be in touch with people throughout the course of this week as we look forward to next Sunday um, and, and doing our baptism at the beach. And then finally, on your comment card, it's not really a spiritual step, but it is a head count for us. Um, if you're coming to the picnic, we really need to know if you're coming and, and we want to be able to provide enough food. Dr. Ray already said there was one hot dog left. I can tell you right now, I'm coming, so that hot dog is gone. Um, so, so we really need to know whether or not you're going to be there so we can make sure that we have um, enough. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward as we um, prepare to take up our offering this morning. And again, if you're a guest and you filled out that card, or basically anybody, everybody that filled out that card, if you would just um, drop that card in the offering bag as it's coming around. Um, and, and if you're a guest, a first-time guest, the greatest thing you can give us right now is just um, that information so we know how to pray for you and encourage you. Um, would you join with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to be able to worship God, I pray that as we give here this morning, you would find us to be cheerful givers. God, I pray that we would be um, those that are filled with joy, grateful for all that you've done in our lives, Lord, and able to give back. Lord, I pray that you would bless it, you would multiply it, and use it for your honor and for your glory. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.